As salespeople, we need to be the the person. We need to be the person that the prospect is looking for. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlack, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Walter Walter. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, Michelle. I appreciate it. Awesome. So I am super excited about our conversation today, but I will get into that in a second. So give everybody a highlight of who you are and a quick introduction to your business. Walter Crosby, uh, Helix Sales Developments, the consulting practice. Uh, we help CEOs and entrepreneurs fix their broken sales organizations. It's really kind of the simplest way I can describe it. And what we fix is dependent upon what's broken. We don't have a one-size-fits-all approach. Try to tailor it to exactly what's going on and work through it. And somebody the other day told me I'm one of those sales trainer people that uh, doesn't believe in sales training. Um, <laughs> I, and I think I think sales training done the way it's been done for the last 30 years is broken. Um, so awesome. it's a little different. I look forward to getting into that. But let's back up the bus a little bit. And how did you get into business strategies and, and that aspect of business? Um, interesting question. Uh, this, the honest answer is um, I was working for a startup that never started. Um, it's kind of sold all their products and I couldn't develop another product. So um, I had to go find a job and I realized I was uh, going to go have to work for people that I didn't want to work for doing stuff I didn't really want to do. Um, so I started um, an agency to go do fractional sales management and help entrepreneurs who had a small team that needed, needed some support. They just didn't have the time or the resources or the capacity to, to manage a team. Um, so it was just sort of like, I didn't want to go do the regular nine to five and work for, somebody I didn't really care for. <laughs> well, I'm, and it I'm, tends to be I'm an issue my... when you, when you know too much. <laughs> You're like, well, I'm not saying there's I know an easier way much. to do this. There's a smarter way to do that. There's a, why would you do that? <laughs> it's it, it's yeah. once you've done something entrepreneurial and once you've done, as you know, when, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it was described to me the other day, this lady who's uh, who, who runs a EO organization, she's got three or four businesses and she said, at this point in my life, I am unemployable um, just because she's been doing things on her own for so long. And I, I think that's a good description. That's where I was. I just, I wanted to be able to help people in a way that was meaningful without having to jump through a bunch of hoops. For some love time. it. Love it. Love it. So now while you're working with people, who do you love and ser to serve and support and who tends to come to you the most? It, it's that. The CEO who's who's has sat in the the uh, sales seat, um, they know that their team isn't functioning at a high high level. They're not performing. Um, they know what it's supposed to be, but it's all in their head, right? And they haven't documented it, and they haven't been able to communicate that to their team. Um, and they're they're at that point where that seven to $15 million in revenue. And they've gotten to that point and they're, they're, they're successful, but they want to 
take it to the next level mm-hmm. and they need help and they can't afford to necessarily go hire um, a high priced VP of sales that can really, well, theoretically can go <laughs> create the organization for them, put all the pieces together. So th- that's my favorite person to work with um, that, that understands sales and they understand when it's not working, but they just can't put their finger on why. And then we go and we start to figure it off and the light bulbs start to go. And then they get really committed and the desire is there, which is, which is fun to watch. Nice. I love it. So at that level, what, what issues do you see tend to be most problematic? Like getting that it becomes cyclical in sales. You, you know, at first you just got to get out there and then you have to, you know, what you're saying and then you have to, but at that level, what kind of problems are people mostly coming up with? They don't have a, um, a methodology to be consistent about their their approach with their 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 customers and their prospects that they're mm-hmm. they're winging it and every time they're, it's almost like they're reinventing the wheel but i think what that really leads to for them is that they're they're not meeting the prospect at the point where the prospect is right mm-hmm. we we got to kind of come alongside of them and figure out where they are and it's not about our company. It's not about our widget. It's about solving a problem for that prospect. And it's it's a bit of a mind shift. And it's a mm-hmm. bit of that ability to create a du- duplicate that process. And the cool thing is when that entrepreneur sat in the sales seat, he or she has that in their head. We just mm-hmm. got to pull it out of them. You know, we have a basic structure we use, but we pull out that nuance and it just, it's sort of like this magical wand. It takes a little bit for the team to like, oh, I got to do something different. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you want to make more money, this is a way to do it. (laughs) We develop a language for them to talk about their deals. We, we, we get a forecast that becomes reliable and accurate, which CEOs love. Um, And we do it without micromanagement. So um, nice. Well, and a lot of times I see that salespeople, they don't like to um, have a system because they think that it locks them in and that they're they're losing their personality. So talk to me about that in particular, because I think once people get over that, that's when I start to see that their sales start to go because now they become coachable. <laughs> they're in that, they, they have that little fence around themselves. They're just not coachable. Well, it's, it's, it's probably a wall. Not mm-hmm. really a fence, right? Because you can see through the fence and like, hey, I'm over here. Um, they, they, some of them really build a structure around them that's almost impenetrable. Um, but it, the the way we kind of approach it, um, and here's one metaphor, is is what we're bringing to them as a way to follow. Think of it as sheet music, right? At, at most people have either played an instrument or have some sort of passion about a certain type of music. And what we're able to do is help them see, look, we're giving you the notes. They should be played in this order, but a great jazz musician is going to hit all the notes and they're, they're going to move forward and they're going to be collaborative with the rest of the, the band, the rest of the team, but they're, they're going to play their instrument in a way that makes them unique. So, Miles Davis's trumpet sounds wildly different than Dizzy Gillespie's trumpet, 
and they're both great. So let's just look at this as we're gonna we're gonna go here. Here are the notes we need to play, and now you go do this within this with this in this structure. And if anybody understands jazz, it, it's like that all the notes just need to be hit, and you need to be in the right key, and you can go do your thing. Um, it's 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 sort of that simple. Absolutely, and and I find that not just <laughs> I was going to say that new salespeople, but it's not really just new salespeople. It's people that that are in that pen or in that they block themselves in. Also, when they start to tell stories, and somebody will go, "Oh, tell me a time of you know another client of yours." Oftentimes, they will throw in words that I'm like, "Oh, don't say that to people." ever <laughs> don't say it to your wife don't say it to your kid don't don't ever use that word again right. and uh and it kind of boggles my mind how they think that bringing their own personality to the table is adding a nuance to it that is friendly but they don't realize that what they're doing is kind of putting up their prospects defenses and they just don't want to play anymore uh, we we as salespeople, we need to be the the person we need to be the person that the prospect is looking for. And and that's not being inauthentic, inauthentic or unauthentic. Um, not being authentic, right? It, it's it's really about being um who they need, what what they what they're looking for, and to be able to adapt to that. And and we don't need to be a you know, the guy that tells jokes all the time because that might not be who you're you gotta pay attention. You got to pay attention who your who your prospect is, what what's important to them, and it's much easier to do than people realize if you just pay attention to what they're saying and what they're doing. Um, it, you know, mimicking their speech pattern, right? If there's somebody that talks really fast and they're from the East Coast and they really you know want to get to the point, you got to get there. You got to be able to do that. And if somebody's a little bit more slower paced and they want to take their time and you need to be able to match that. Um, and it, it's, there's more nuance than that. So I, I, we need to be who they need us to be to help them solve that problem, but it comes down to helping. Absolutely. So talk to me a bit about more about your book because I've been going through it and uh, quite fabulous. Thank you. So Appreciate talk that. to the audience about that. I, I wanted to write something that, um, cut to the chase, like got mm -hmm. right to the point of like, here's the problem that you're experiencing and here's why you're experiencing it. And here's a way to fix it. And it, you know, it was written for the, the CEO who didn't want to read a novel, just like, tell me how to fix this problem. And, and it's broken into pieces, chapters so that they can, they can go do that. Um, I think there's enough information in the book that gives them a way to work with their team, mm -hmm. a way to go ask questions, um, a way to think a little bit differently about a problem. Um, and uh, that was really my goal is to get that, that entrepreneurial person to think differently about their problem and see uh, what's really causing it. And it's not always the symptom that's being brought to them. Absolutely. Well, and I particularly liked the list of <laughs> issues that you could be going through right now and you don't even know it. And uh, this morning I woke up with the idea, not necessarily a good one, but <laughs> there's 101 things that are going wrong in your company that you don't know about. 
That's a scary list. <laughs> yeah. And you like, stopped at 101? That would sell, but <laughs> I could write it. Well, you could probably uh, you'd probably be stopping short, right? At 101. <laughs> so I'm absolutely loving my experience with the book. And I think everybody should get their hands on it. How do they get their hands in the book? Well, for you and for your listeners, I think what we can do is uh, I'll give you a link where they can get a free copy of, uh, of an ebook, a flip book, where they can just get a digital copy of it. They just download it. Um, no, you know, there's no commitment to anything. Um, awesome. That'll be easy. Then go to Amazon and, you know, get a copy, order it um, just like they would anything else on Amazon. But that that flip book, we can get you for, for free. Nice. I love it. So we will have a, the Amazon link and the special secret link in the show notes. That'd be awesome. Exactly. So now that we know that something's radically wrong, how do we go about fixing it? And I think in my experience, companies that have, you know, four or five or a team of salespeople, it, it often comes down to ego as to when they bring help in, even though they know they need the help. So how do you help CEOs navigate kind of the, the touchy situation of, hey, I know it's your job to manage these people, but we're bringing in somebody else to kind of help you along. How does that conversation usually go? Or what needs, how does, if a CEO is listening to the show right now, what do they start, need to start thinking about in order to be able to open up their team to be, being able to bring you in? It's a really good question. Um, do they have a sales manager or they don't, right? I would assume so. Let's go with so. So, so if they have a sales manager, um, I think the approach is is really simple. Um, the the underlying reason for for starting the organization was to give sales managers help to support them. Right, they're they're often given the role of a sales manager because they were a great salesperson or a mm -hmm. better than salesperson, and now they're the the entrepreneurs looked at them and it's like, well, you're great at sales, so go deal with these people because they're crazy. Um, <laughs> And we, it happened to me several times and I just, I had to figure it out. Cause like, I just can't fail. Mm -hmm. um, most sales managers will spin, frustrate themselves, frustrate that owner and frustrate the salespeople. So to answer your question, it's like, look, I put you in a spot and I probably didn't give you all the resources that you need. And I think a way to help you is to get you somebody that can coach you and help you um, fill in the blanks and help you support you to do what I've asked you to do, because what I asked you to do probably wasn't fair, right? That's probably the easiest entry point if they have a sales manager for that CEO to take a little bit of that responsibility when it is their responsibility. If you put somebody in a position and they're, they're going to fail, you got to own it as the CEO. Um, and then you have to be able to hold them accountable as that CEO. But I think the way in really is 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 to just have that type of conversation, whatever that might sound like. Nice, I love that, and I think it it really is. I I used to see a lot of it, and and it's kind of sad that it's still happening to promote the best salesperson into a management role because the the psychology of the two are almost a hundred percent opposite. <laughs> Almost the psychology is different. Yeah, the psychology and the skill set. I mean, right? It's is wildly different. And 
sometimes we like we don't know why we do what we do right right go back to the entrepreneur who's a great salesperson now they're running a company and they're great salespeople. They tell the story really well, but translating that to the team is hard. Yep, absolutely. And I think under having the empathy of, you know, oftentimes people say people can't do coach, but they don't realize that people who can do can't necessarily coach because they can't articulate what it is that's going on for them. It's like I don't know. I just do this. <laughs> it's like come right. over here and just do this. Well, that that's not exactly effective. And they've been possibly taught for so long not to give away those jewels that it becomes difficult to give away the jewels when they've been kind of hoarding them for so long. And what that leads to is that hero mentality of the sales manager. So they, they become in and they go work with the sales salespeople instead of helping them understand what they should do. They go close the deal. They go, they're, they're the hero of, of that situation because they don't want to give that up. And it's not always a conscious thing. They're not always doing that on purpose, I think. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, sometimes there is, but most of the time is they're just, they think that's the best way to help. I'll show them how to do it and they'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it's not the best way because that sales manager has, hasn't ever had a good mentor, mm -hmm. right? That, you know, as, as I was, I had one really good sales manager um, that actually helped me understand, oh, wow. I, that's how I should look at that. And most of the time they were just, you know, being a hero, helping close the deal or just, you know, trying to make sure that, well, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. I'm just going to go work with the other people. Um, so not, not having a mentor, not having an example of, of what it's like to be a good coach. Um, they they have to go figure it out. And most, most of them don't. So mm -hmm. you lose your best salesperson because you've taken them off the street to put them in a management role. And then you ultimately lose them because everybody's frustrated and they leave and go back and work for your competition. Yeah, that's not a good position to be in. So when you're working with teams, what would you say is your favorite part of your business? Um, help, helping them change their mindset um, to understand we're, we're, we're trying to help these people and they don't really care about you or your product or your company. So stop telling that story. Stop talking about that, right? And getting them to mm -hmm. see that it's about your prospect. It's about helping them. It's about giving them information that is going to help them make a decision. And stop telling. Stop telling. So is that a mindset shift? Mm -hmm. um, the nuts and bolts um, are are important. But... Once they make the mindset mindset shift, it, everything else is easier. I like the the Freudian version better. Yeah. Well, it's that that's probably more accurate. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it once they do that, everything else becomes easier. And but that's the hard part, and that can take months. You know, you got to take the wall down, right? And they probably built the fence first, so they got to take the fence down. And then you got to get in there and help them see that this is scary, but it's it it it's better over here. So let's climb over this these rubble to get to the other side, um, and that you still get to be you, right? So all that can take some time, but if you just start dumping in the training piece, it, it it's hard for them to absorb it. So I think mm -hmm. that that front piece of several 
several months of, of working on culture and why and helping them understand, setting the right goals for them, helping them see that, you know, you just don't set that goal of revenue. You got to figure out how we get there. Um, so there's there's a bit of investment in time um, that has lasting effect because we've we've gotten that salesperson to a point where they understand why they need to do it mm-hmm. and why it's important to them, why it's important to the customer and why it's important to the company. And they all need to be connected. Right. Um, and once they see that, they, they run to the, to the winds. Love it. Well, and I think we've kind of beaten this down, but if we haven't, uh, I know once upon a time, I was very reluctant to do sales courses and sales training because they would say, okay, so take a piece of paper, draw a line down the center, stop all the things that this isn't working for. And I'm like, nobody talks like this. Nobody is going to have a conversation like this. Might have been a little ahead of my time. Are people still training those kind of methods? And and is that where a lot of the resistance comes from as opposed to just having a conversation with somebody? There's a, Yes. To answer the question wow. that still exists um wow. but i would say for the most part the 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 trainers that are um that that are prominent um are are doing more of an understanding of the emotions piece of it they're trying to get the salespeople to understand that emotion is the reason people make decisions so they're they're it's not as the old, you know, 1970s kind of training. Um, it still exists, but I think the problem is that they do it first, and they often don't train the sales manager. And I think that's ass backwards. We've got to train that sales manager to help them understand what we're trying to do, and then if we get that person to engage with the salespeople, everything becomes more. Um, it flows better. Right. Nice. So, so give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories with one of your clients. So there's a, a, a lady that I've been working with. She just, one of her, one of her things was in her, in her head. We look at something called sales DNA and she had a very high need to be liked, need to be loved by everybody she worked with. And in, you know, we score this at a, with a percentage and, you know, hundred is like, it's, it's perfect. Everything's great. And very few people are a hundred. She was a one, right? So it was like, everybody had to love her or she just struggled. Um, so she needed them to be friends, to be able to sell to them. And she's shifted that it took time. We got her to realize that's what she was doing. And then now we sort of reevaluated that with her. And I think we did it about a year and a half in, and she was up to a 75%, right? Where she had just kind of, now she gets upset with people. Right? <laughs> we got to modulate a little bit more. But um, I think that's one of those things where we just continually talked about it. Um, kudos to the company for, you know, not just uh, throwing in the towel with her. So she went from, in her world, she was doing about 300000 in revenue on an annual basis. And a year and a half later, she broke a million. Um, it's a fairly decent upside. Um, Maintain mar- margins, um, follows the process. Um, 
but she now she realizes that she needs to be likable, but she doesn't need everybody to love her, aside from her family. Yeah, <laughs> aside from the ones who she chooses. I love it. So what would you say are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody's having that's listening to this right now, uh, the struggles that they're experiencing going, oh my God, Walter, I need you in my company so bad. Um, they're, they're struggling. Like this is a big one that resonates with owners and entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that they can't rely on or don't have a forecast of their revenue. And I'm, I'm looking like a month out, a quarter out. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And when they're, when they're, they see that and they don't have that, or they have one that is so awful that they discount it 40% or 30%. Um, that's a sign of that. They need somebody's help um, because their internal systems are broken and it's not the ones that they think. Uh, that it's not that they're uh, it's it's not that the the salespeople don't know how to sell they mm -hmm. they might but they might be stuffing anybody that raises their hand or says something positive that becomes an opportunity they put in their pipeline and we we just need to switch that so I think that's a really big um, a, a really awful revenue forecast. Um, and then, you know, if you're just looking at the numbers and people aren't growing um, and you have a solid product, right? If you got a problem in your business, you got to fix that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you got a quality product that's premium and you're offering, it's at a premium price um, and it delivers, you you should be able to to communicate that effectively with, uh, with the sales force. And understanding their strengths and weaknesses, I think is is probably the, the, the place where they should start is like what everybody's got strengths, everybody has weaknesses and figuring that out and diagnosing the problem. Um, we like to say you don't go to the pharmacy before you go to the doctor. Um, you don't go get the drugs. Let's go figure out what, what the issue is and then work on that issue, put the priorities together. It's usually more than, more than one issue, 101 maybe, but, um, there's usually three or four things that can be worked on in a, in a relatively short period of time to move the needle. Love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Um, LinkedIn. Just look up Walter Crosby on LinkedIn. It's probably really quick. Um, they can go to helixsalesdevelopment.com. Everything's there. Um, they can learn a little bit about how my brain works and if, uh, we might be a fit for their for their issues, their needs. Um, but I'm always open to a phone call and have a conversation. Always fun. Love it. And I always appreciate kind of the, the I want to put the neutral tone with which you approach problems. So when people are spazzing out and freaking out, you're still just kind of, yeah, we got this. We're good. <laughs> so Taking the practices. emotion out of out of sales and out of issues and mm -hmm. kind of being chill if you will yep. um is something that i've i've struggled with early in my career but uh as i gotten older i can be a little bit uh, a little bit more relaxed about it and staying even keeled <laughs> nice i love it so at this point i get to ask you walter at what point in life did you know you're especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur 
I think when I was working for a, a super smart guy, um, it was probably 20, 23 years ago. Um, I just hated life. I really just didn't. Uh, I was good at what I was doing, right? We're being successful, but I just wasn't having a good time. And working for somebody was a big part of it um, that I was willing to take the risk to go out on my own. There, there was a philosophy in college that I had was like, if you're living, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Um, so I've always been a little, little bit more um, interested in taking risk. Um, so uh, probably 23 years ago, it's oh. really got the bug. And it's just time to fly and take it all on your. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> you fail. You get up and do it again. Right? You learn something out of it. And I think that's a, that's the thing. People that, that they're afraid to make a mistake and they're afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Oscar Wilde said that you know experience is the name we give to our mistakes, and you know I always follow that up with like I have a lot of experience. <laughs> As we used to say in our family, nobody dies from road rash, but you do have a lot of good stories to tell. (laughs) I love it. That's great. That's good. You have been absolutely awesome, Walter. Any last words for our peeps? Um, I just, I think if you're, if you're, if you're struggling with some aspect of, of sales, there's plenty of help out there. Um, Go read a book or make a phone call or do a little research. It's the help is out there. There's no reason to struggle. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Peeps, thank you for being here today with us. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.